The BS Report is a free-flowing conversation that occasionally touches on mature subjects. The BS Report. The BS Report with Bill Simmons. Welcome to the BS Report. It's a chilly Friday morning here in uh, Southern California. Not as chilly as it is back east and around a lot of the country. I had two columns went up today, one about Joe Flacco and one with the with the playoff pick. So you can read that on Grantland.com. Also up on Grantland. Bill Barnwell, who wrote um, previews for the AFC and the NFC. More importantly, he lives in Boston, and we're making this a an all-Boston pod today. I'm going to call my dad. I'm going to call my buddy J-Bug later. Barnwell, Boston is getting the 2024 Olympic bid, which yes. doesn't necessarily mean they're getting the Olympics, but they got the bid. Uh, you've been living there for a while. Explain how stupid this is. <laughs> I was happy that you were going to go in that direction. I was I was worried that you were going to ask me to you know talk about how great it's going to be for Boston. It's a terrible idea. I mean, Boston. I love Boston. It is not a place to have the Olympics. I mean, you were in London for the London Olympics, right? Yes, and that seems like a place to have the Olympics. It was great. It had a great subway system that was never really that crowded and went in every conceivable direction. Um, it was really spread out like Los Angeles is, mm-hmm. um, but with the subway and it was just perfect. It was a perfect city. Boston is cramped. Boston has a subway system that can barely handle Red Sox crowds. Mm-hmm. Um, Boston does not have the facilities and Boston doesn't have people who want the Olympics in Boston. That seems like a crucial point. Right. It seems like that might've come up before the Olympic bid was one is that the vast majority of people I know in Boston, my friends, people who have lived here for decades now, all against it. Universally, I haven't found one person who's been like, yeah, we should have the Olympics here. It would be great. We'll get an extra green line. We'll have five green lines. Right. No, it, it, it's been just a total mess. And when you have people like, like I've lived here now for a long time, I, I've, I've experienced the influx of college freshmen who can't struggle to understand how the, the subway system works in Boston. Right. I can't imagine what that would be like with, millions of people who are not familiar with Boston whatsoever. It just seems like a bad idea. I lived in the Boston area um, basically for the first 27 of the first 32 years of my life, um, if you include the four years in Worcester. Mm-hmm. And I still couldn't totally figure out all the subways, <laughs> even even by year 31. <laughs> I remember one time I was I was like 40 minutes late to the Red Sox game because I missed the Green Line connection and freaking <laughs> ended up like way down and had to. I mean, that's one thing, but the subways really haven't been updated or fixed in how many decades now? I mean, they, 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 at I, least since I've been living there or I was living there in like the 70s and 80s. Not, not, not just not just fixed, but actively taken away, actively cut off and reduced. I mean, they right. they, they cut off half the E-line and said, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll fix that. We'll take care of it. And it's a bus now. I mean, it, it just I think Boston is great for a lot of different things. I'm very happy living here, but that is not going to be a good idea. I, I mean, if it happens, it happens. I'll probably still be living here when it happens, but. I don't think it's it's there. There have to be better cities around the world than Boston for this. So at the very least, I figured just you know maybe at least ask the residents of Boston if they want this. Well, there's three three different problems here, which are all part of the larger problem. One is that the city is just too small, mm-hmm. and you need an Olympics that's spread out and can go on a bunch of different. It's just it's so many people. Like you just have no idea how many people it is, especially the Summer Olympics, which everybody wants to go to. Right. Um, and, and I, I just don't think from a size standpoint, Boston has it. They definitely don't have the facilities, so they'd have to build a lot of stuff. The The plan of 
having the colleges chip in and get arenas sounds awesome on paper, but having lived there for the entire big dig, um, (laughs) Boston doesn't have the greatest track record with pulling things off in time. Um, (laughs) And then on top of it, you have the Red Sox playing there. You know, the Olympics takes over a city for about two months. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have these Red Sox games that have 35,000 people coming out, you know, leave, going to the park and leaving every night while the whole rest of the city is being set up. That's crazy. I just, just like structurally, it's it's illogical to me. Now you I have like the idea of, of having not only Red Sox games, not only Olympics, but having college move in at the same time, which is, is already that... a disaster in Boston. All those things at the same time is incredible. Wait, when's the when's the date for the 2024 Olympics? They know that? Uh, I don't know, but I'm guessing it's going to be probably through the what, early August, right? Yeah, well, so the Olympics in London were like started late July, ended mid-August, which would work right. for Boston. But we've also seen summer Olympics that started like late August or September. If it coincides with the college people coming... <laughs> That's the all-time epic disaster in the history of America for overcrowding a city. No, it'll be – that's already a disaster every year as is. I mean, just, it, just the amount of U-Haul trucks stopping the street will just be a, a the end of the world in Boston. And, the, and like Canada Charles is almost a tipping point for, <laughs> for hotels in Boston. Um, so that's one problem. The second problem is Boston is probably the most provincial city in America. Yes, very um, much so. Does not like having outside people come in. Um, Boston people like other Boston people, Boston mm-hmm. people, um, it's like us against them. And it's a mentality that has existed since the 1770s. <laughs> and, uh, and, and the thought of just all of these people coming into Boston is not going to go well. It's just not. I, I, I really don't know who thought this was a good idea. I, I just that doesn't doesn't occur to me at all. Any of the other choices in, in the U.S. would have been better, let alone elsewhere. But. Well, you know, know, you know who thought it was a good idea? Who? John Fish, the guy <laughs> running this Olympic bid for Boston, who just happens to be in construction. <laughs> oh, oh, that's interesting because things need to be constructed to that's have true. Boston pull off an Olympics. Hmm. I wonder who's going to benefit from the construction. Is it John Fish? It's hard to say. I, I feel like a, a Providence devious. Olympics might be better than a Boston Olympics. Oh, my God. You, you might be right. They could at least put up more hotels. Right. Uh, we're going to call my dad later, who's the one person in Boston excited for the Olympics. Um, <laughs> he was saying he was excited for for potentially a downtown stadium. That would be nice. Um, maybe Not with in having Suffolk the Downs. Floor. Suffolk Downs doesn't even race horses anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? So that I, would I be... I believe so, yeah. But I mean, I, I don't know if that's worth having the Olympics for. Like, I've read people who said, oh, yeah, at least we'll get, you know, better infrastructure for the subway. And it's like... Let's just build a subway as opposed to having the Olympics build a subway. Like, like who wants who, who thinks about, oh, yeah, let's have an Olympics so we can actually make money. It just doesn't seem like it's the best idea. It took them 12 years to do the big dig. I think it was 12. I was there for the entire time. I left right before it was finished. Mm-hmm. And it was that was supposed to take like half the time. Right. They just couldn't pull it off. It, part of the problem is the, the weather is so bad sometimes that it just derails the construction. You know, and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah sure. it'll take us seven years. And it's like, well, actually, not really, because you might have a winter where you're not able to work at all for three months. Right. And that was one project. Now you're talking about like a half dozen stadiums or, or facilities or stuff. It's just anywhere else. Providence would be better. Hartford might be better. Boston is just not the place for this. Grantland's Charlie Pierce and I were emailing about this last night. And 
he threw out the possibility, just a possibility. He has no inside info. He was just wondering, would this pave the way for another baseball stadium? Could this be like very secretly the death knell for Fenway? I don't know. I mean, I, I can't imagine that they would build another, you know, the kind of stadiums they're going to build are going to be like, you know, the Olympic, you know, they're going to have to build like an 80,000 seat stadium, which if anything, that seems like it'd be more for the Patriots than it would be for the Red Sox. The Patriots don't need a stadium, obviously, but well, I they mean, can do a temporary stadium too, right? Because that's, that's what true. they did in London. They built the stadium that I always thought it was weird. They could just immediately take it down. Yeah. There's um, something odd about that. I mean, maybe, maybe you build like a, a 70,000 state stadium and then you retrofit it. So it's a, you know, a 50,000 state stadium and you put the Red Sox in there. But I mean, at this point, there, there's not that sort of impetus to replace Fenway the way there was 15 years ago. There's, there's no real, like, right. Who, who wants Fenway to, to get torn down at this point? No, people, I mean, we've it. been with it this long. It's like a marriage. It's like, <laughs> you might as well just stay married until we die. Right. The, uh, I, I, I feel like, like, like it doesn't, it's not something that makes a lot of sense to me to, to get in the Olympics and spend that much money just to get a new baseball stadium. I don't think people realize how many venues you need for the Olympics, which is the other thing that makes me laugh. Like in, in London, all the soccer games were played at Wembley Stadium. Right. But at the same time, you know, track and field or whatever else was going on in the big stadium. But then you mm -hmm. had the massive Olympic Village that had, you know, basically swimming and um, handball and basketball and all these different things. And I, I guess you could maybe say that... Uh, Boston could put different parts like like you spread around the colleges and you use Cambridge and yeah maybe but what, but what about all the people that live there and how are you going to get from Boston to Cambridge and how is the subway going to accommodate all this it's just so right. bad right it's more likely that you would like oh we're going to have the soccer stadium soccer games at Foxborough and like people don't realize this because when you watch Patriots games they show they show Boston they show and they Boston, come back from yeah. commercial. <laughs> And right. it's cl it's closer to Providence. Like it, it is an hour outside the city. There are maybe forty five minutes to get to Foxborough with no traffic, and there will yep. be traffic during the Olympics. The Mass Pike is not that great of a uh, of, of a route to get to to Foxborough. Or ninety five is not the best way to get to Foxborough. It's a one. It's a you know Route One is not exactly the most forgiving route to get to uh, the soccer stadium. That that's forty five minutes outside the city, and there's not really a good uh, public transit route to get there. There's the one commuter rail line. It, it, it's just. It doesn't fit. I, I, if this were a bigger city and, and if this were a different sort of event, I could see it, but just not the Olympics, not here. It just does not fit whatsoever. Well, I'm sure Kraft is hoping for like some 30,000 seat soccer stadium slash bunch of other things that mm -hmm. that uh, would end up just staying there in South Boston or wherever. Well, hey, he's got that extra $24 million to work with. So now uh, he's good uh, to go. Oh, come on. Don't, don't bait me. Don't bait <laughs> me. That's not fair. Uh, the, the thing that really bummed me out was and this is admittedly selfish reasons, but Los Angeles is really built for the Olympics. It's mm -hmm. the perfect American city for the Olympics because of how, how sprawling it is and how you, it has different pockets. And they would have had the train mostly done, I think, by the, by the time uh, the thing started. And it's just L.A. wanted it here. It could be here without really affecting everybody's lives. Mm -hmm. um, it would have been the 40th anniversary. I don't think a U.S. city is getting it anyway. I think um, Rome... Or Paris are pro probably the two best options for that. But mm -hmm. I know that the U.S. Olympic Committee recommended L.A. to the USOC, which, of course, ignored them, um, <laughs> as they're prone to do. Um, but 
just bizarre. And I'm at, we're going to talk to my dad a little bit later because he's the one person who's defending it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, football, quickly. Yes, very much so. So you like who this weekend? Tell us. Okay. Um, I just went through it. We just did a podcast with Robert Mays, the Grand NFL podcast. We made our picks. My two I, sons. I'm, I'm going, yeah, the two illegitimate sons. I'm going all chalk. I mean, I, I just think... I'll, I'll say this much. I will start with this. And I think you're probably going to be upset when I say this. I think the most likely upset of these four games is Ravens over Patriots. Um, I agree with you. I just handed in my picks column about 20 minutes ago. And I think the Ravens could easily win that game. And and I think the line is too high. I here's, do too. The, here's the variable that people are forgetting about this weekend. It always amazes me. And it's like we have... We remember so many things about sports, but for some reason, certain variables we just forget every year until they happen. Mm -hmm. Cold weather is is the biggest monkey wrench there is for playoff games because, and not to step on today's column, but it it murders the crowd. It does. Like like the Patriots, there was a game they played in January 2004 against the Titans. That was a great Patriots team. Um, They barely beat the Titans. And they only beat the Titans because Vinatieri kicked, I think, a 48-yard field goal. It was a rock-hard football. It was zero degrees. We're going to have my buddy Bug on in a little bit to talk about that game and just what it's like to go to cold-weather games. But there's no crowd. The crowd's gone. The crowd is bundled up wearing mittens and scarves, and they're not making noise. So it's basically a neutral field game at that point. Mm -hmm. And you just don't see – they're just always battles. They're low-scoring. They come down to a couple different plays. And the thing that scares me about the Ravens – they just and I noticed this last week, and this is when I, I got belatedly scared about a team that I was not scared about. They just mm-hmm. have so many guys who show up for big games, right? Yeah, like that, absolutely. Like, that's a skill, as weird as that sounds. Like it's a skill to stay durable, and it's a skill to show up for big games. And you just go down the line. It's like, oh, the Smiths; those guys are going to show up. <laughs> the defensive line; all those guys are going to be good. Flacco's going to show up. Justin Tucker is the best big game kicker in the league, probably. Jacoby mm-hmm. Jones is probably the best big game returner in the league. Like mm-hmm. you go on down the line, it's like, we might lose this game. Yeah. It's really kind of scary. And I, I think that when I was looking at it, the thing I thought was, okay, of the teams who are all underdogs, what's the biggest weapon they have and how likely is that to influence the game? Like the Cowboys have a great running game and that could help them against the Packers. The, the Panthers have a great defense in general, I would say right now, but they can only do so much against Seattle. They're so bad elsewhere on offense. They're going to have so much struggle moving the football that I can't really see them having a dominant performance there. The Ravens' pass rush is so good and can impact that game so significantly yep. that you could see that actually turning that game around. They, they could win the game just because they dominate up front. When they, when they actually, I looked it up, when they get pressure and they don't blitz, when they get pressure with four guys or less, the opposing team's passer rating is 0.2. Oh, point. Uh, that's worse than Ryan Lindley. Ryan, Ryan Lindley was a 44 last week. So significantly worse than Ryan Lindley last week. I, I mean, the one game where the Patriots looked out of sorts this year, the, the worst game of the year was that Chiefs game. And you can imagine the Ravens emulating that with Elvis Dumerville, with Terrell Suggs, with Pernell McPhee and Hilary Nada. You could see them having that kind of game if everything goes right against the Patriots on, on Saturday. Yeah, and the Patriots offensive line... Didn't look better. good. Then it looked good. Then in, in week 16 against the Jets, didn't look good again. And the recipe for beating the Patriots um, isn't exactly a secret. You know, it's you do what the Giants did in those two Super Bowls and you do what mm-hmm. the Ravens did in 2012. You, you, you pressure them up the middle. You make Brady move from side to side. 
Um, you pressure them with as few guys as you possibly can while still getting pressure, and then mm-hmm. you just hit the shit out of the receivers. Yeah. Let them catch it and hit them. And the Ravens do all of those things. And, uh, you know, Brady and cold weather. I, I added this to the playoff manifesto a few years ago because it's something that is a recurring theme in the playoffs. You get older quarterbacks in cold weather. Not a good history. Really, it's no. not good. Um, it's- and I think with Manning against Indy, now, I don't think Indy is close to Denver from a talent standpoint. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to make case for Indy, you would. You, the case is basically two things. Luck luck having a great game and Manning in cold weather. And that's it. That's your case. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be 41 there. So it's going to have to drop a little bit, I think, for the point where it'd be a significant influence. But it's not going to It's going to be as high as 41? The, when I'm, when I'm, I'm looking at the weather report now and it says 41, wind chill down to 36. So that, that, that's not... That's cold, yeah, it's but it's not, not like yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not like it, it, it's New England where it's going to be twenty and the wind right. chill is going to be eight. Um, with, with that game, I mean, I, I think it's the the big question is is Peyton Manning hurt? I, I don't think I don't think he is. I think he's. I think it was more them kind of reducing his throws before the final few weeks of the year. I think they wanted to keep him as healthy as possible for the playoffs. I mean, I, I don't know that you agree with that. Uh, I, I, they have great special teams, the Colts. I could see them winning a game that way. I could see them, you know, Denver kind of running the ball too much and not being able to run the ball effectively. But I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just think the Ravens have that sort of dominant striking force when it comes to that pass rush that can totally impact and change the way the Patriots play that game. And the Patriots, I mean, the Ravens, their their biggest weakness on defense is throws downfield. They're 31st in QBR and throws 15 yards downfield. And that's not what the Broncos, what the Patriots do well. They're not a, you know, a, a chuck a deep team anymore. You're telling me. <laughs> I if mean, only they had four years to find a downfield receiver who was better than Brian Timms. We've, we've repeatedly drafted the person. He just hasn't <laughs> come through. You know, the, the, the Manning injury thing, the two, the two kind of subtle monkey wrenches for this weekend. Mm-hmm. Rogers is calf muscle. Yes. We don't know how hurt he is. I just know that if it's going to be like five degrees or whatever it's going to be in Lambeau. Yeah. And he's got a partially torn calf muscle. That's not good. Just point blank, that's not good. There's no scenario where that's good. You cannot come up with one. And then, I, you, know, you know me, I love the eye test to the to almost to a fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manny didn't look right the last six weeks. He just didn't. And the fact that he was missing practice, that play when, um, what was he it, the interception the at the goal line? They, yeah, the guy hit him and he, and he kind of flinched. He went off the field. Like, he's clearly not 100%. And that, right. that's a red flag for me. I, I don't doubt that he's not 100%. But the question for me is, is he 90% or is he 50%? Right. And I, I, I think it's closer to 90 than 50. To me, and if it was 50, if it turns out that he's just not remotely the same guy, I wouldn't be stunned. I mean, you don't change your offense like that overnight if you're not at least concerned about that. But I, I think it was more about preventing the injury from getting worse than it was, uh, you know, the fact that he's just hurt and can't come back and can't be the same guy. You know, um, there's two there's two possible reasons why they might have changed their offense because you, mm-hmm. you were on that pretty early and I agreed with you and it was strange that overnight they were just trying to be the '98 Broncos. Mm-hmm. Um, one is Manning could have been injured, which I think is you know no question that's in play. Two. Mm-hmm. They lost that Patriots game, and mm-hmm. at that point, they're losing every tiebreaker to the Patriots and have to actually finish one win ahead of them to get the one seed. 
Right. And they might have just looked at the big picture and said, this is not realistic. Let's go in a pseudo playing possum mode. Let's try to get Manning through the regular season. Let's let's bring our guys back when they're 100%, not 90%. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just get through the season. And, and let's save our A game for round two. Doesn't that I make sense? I think that's possible. Given that that they uh, the the week before they changed their offense around, the week before they very clearly went to running the ball as a primary focus of their offense, they played the Rams. They lost to the Rams twenty two to seven. They threw fifty four passes against nine rush attempts. So yep. I guarantee they went in that game and they said, "Listen, we're not running the ball enough. We're we're, we're getting leaving Manning out to dry, and we're not doing that well when we're doing it. We're not having the same kind of offensive success we had a year ago." And last year before that Super Bowl, I went back and looked. Peyton Manning threw or had a He'd thrown the third most passes in the history of football in a single season before the Super Bowl. Wow. I think Drew Brees and somebody else had, there were two guys that had, or Drew Bledsoe actually, that one year in 94 where Drew Bledsoe threw like a thousand passes in the regular season. Those were the two guys who had thrown more passes in a single season heading into the Super Bowl than Peyton Manning had. And I, I really think if you look at that from the Broncos, you're right. You look at it from the perspective and you say, well, you know, we need to just be smart. We have a pretty easy schedule over the final six weeks of the year and they went five and one. Why not? you know, have us go be the two seed. If we're not going to get the one seed, let's try and play the big picture. Let's try and save Peyton Manning's throws, given that he might not have a thousand throws in his arm left. Let's save those for the playoffs if we can. And I think that they were able to do that. And and right or wrong, you know, they were still able to be effective on offense. They scored more points on offense after making that switch than they did beforehand. Yeah. On a per game basis. CJ Anderson, it's funny how some teams can just keep losing running backs and plugging new guys in and it just doesn't matter. And in some cases the guys are even better. Mm-hmm. And then you have a situation like Arizona or Indianapolis where they Oof. plug guys in and they're just an abomination. Yeah. Like, Boom Heron's better than whatever Arizona was trotting out, but mm-hmm. Boom Heron also puts the ball on the ground every game yeah. and he's going to fumble in Denver. Like he fumbles every game. It just is what happens. Um, the other thing that I thought was weird in, in round one that it was, you know, nobody really made a big deal out of because Indy won pretty convincingly. Mm-hmm. T.Y. Hilton was terrible in that game. Yeah. I thought Andrew Luck was phenomenal. I thought he played incredible football, but T.Y. Hilton yeah. had three drops, and really it could have been, I guess one of them was kind of knocked away, but he still should have held on to the football. He could have had an extra 100 yards and two touchdowns in that game. And he could yeah. have had one of the greatest games in playoff history. And, Certainly and wide was, open the whole game. Right. I mean, it's good that he was getting open. It was good that he was 100%. He was healthy and that... You know, luck was finding him, but man, they left a lot of plays on the field last week. And you could spend that both ways. You could say, well, you know, it means that they're going to make bigger plays when they're a little better at, at converting those those catches next week. But the, the Denver defense and the Denver pass rush in, in, in particular are a lot better than Cincinnati's pass rush. And I think that's going to dramatically impact how much time Andrew Luck has to find heels and downfield for those kind of plays. You've been writing about this all year. Um, luck, I think a lot of quarterbacks are like this, but, but Luck is the best quarterback is like this, where mm-hmm. if you can really pressure him, he's a different guy. He, yeah. He'll he'll put the ball up for grabs a little bit. If you do not pressure him, you're done. Mm-hmm. And my biggest fear for taking the Bengals last week, other than not knowing if AJ Green was going to play, mm-hmm. was that I didn't, you know, their pass rush, there was no secret. They, they It sucked. They didn't, <laughs> didn't you have a stat? JJ Watt had more sacks than Cincinnati? Yeah, J.J. Watt had, I think, what, 21 and a half, and Justin Houston had 22, and the, the Bengals had 20, I think. So, I mean, they yeah. did one player more than their entire team, and it wasn't so like— So that wasn't good. 
No. And I should have changed my pick when AJ Green went out, but at that point mm-hmm. it was 20 minutes before the column was going to go up. And I, and what do you do at that point? You, do you, can you really change your pick that late? Like I felt no. karmically I was just screwed either way. Yeah. But uh, this Denver defense is so much better than Cincinnati's defense. And, and uh, even if you look at that Colts game, it was 13 to 10 in the third quarter. And, and Cincinnati was once they figured out that it was Jeremy Hill or bust for Cincinnati's <laughs> offense, that was it. Yeah. Basically. Um, you know, go switching to Denver quickly. I mean, uh, Dallas quickly. They, there's been some interesting articles this week about whether Dallas can run the ball in Green Bay or not. Shots had a good article on ESPN.com about how you could, conceivably you'd set up the play action with Murray, but the Cowboys actually don't do a lot of play action. Right. And that seems to be what would work against the Packers, only that's not like really what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, why is it so hard to just learn how to do play action? <laughs> you would think it'd just be a, a pretty core component of your offense when you have, you know, you're running your, your start running back into the ground for 390 carries. It just would seem mm. like a logical way to approach things. I, I don't know whether they don't want a lot of play action. I wonder if, if it's whether they just want to keep Romo from moving as much as possible. And I mean, he's still going to yeah. move anyway, but it, it seems like it should be a bigger part of what they do. I think for the Cowboys, even more so than play action, it's going to be just running the ball, not just to be successful because it's what they're good at and the Packers aren't a great run defense by any means but I think just because you want to keep the Green Bay offense off the field I mean the Cowboys have a, a pretty mediocre defense to begin with and they could be without Ronda McLean who's their best one of their best players in defense in any position their middle linebacker they could be without Jeremy Mincy they could be without uh, Hitchens who is of course part of that famous play from last week and they could be down two linebackers uh, one of their defensive ends and they're missing a defensive tackle as well I mean they could be down four players from their defense and that you know, it, it just doesn't – they don't have the kind of defensive personnel to mitigate that. They, they're going to be mediocre in defense with those guys. They could be really bad without those guys. And I think you just have to kind of have to hope that they're not on the field for more than 25 minutes in this game. You just hope that you're so good running the football and you're so good uh, finding Dez against those against the Packers secondary when you need him and, and Witten against Micah Hyde or wherever when, when you need him to just stay on the field for 38, 40 minutes and, and win the game that way. Uh, I just don't, I don't see them being able to hold up if, if Aaron Rodgers has, you know, time to throw and, and, and really more, even more so than that, Eddie Lacy has time to, and, and holes throwing the football with. It's funny. I looked at that Dallas, like if they were missing those guys differently, it's like mm-hmm. their defense isn't that good anyway. <laughs> so, you know, it's like if the Celtics, if Evan Turner is hurt and Phil Pressey has to play, ultimately that doesn't really mean anything. So that, oh. that was my mindset. I feel like the Dallas offense, as you said, if they win, it'll be because of their offense mm-hmm. and because they just dominated the game. And I, I don't mind. I took, I picked the Cowboys. I took the points. Yeah, I don't mind, especially in cold weather, which which tends to be more low scoring. Who's going to make the first mistake type games? I don't mind having a really good offense and a QB that wins on the road. I think the biggest mistake people make in the playoffs sometimes is taking is forgetting that it, it's really hard to win a playoff game on the road as a QB. And it, mm-hmm. it does it, – there there are two levels of QB. And the first level is I can go into any stadium and win a playoff game. And I think Romo, who takes a lot of sh- I think he's on the short list of guys who can do that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to see the Cowboys win to some extent just so we can have like the – revisiting Tony Romo columns. People are just like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have just trashed that guy for a decade. Maybe he's actually pretty good. Because, I mean, if you look at the numbers, 
Tony Romo should be an MVP candidate this year. I mean, given how no he's question. played on, on on a not only on a numbers basis, but also just how he's performed, how he's worked through that, you know, two broken bones in his back. He's been phenomenal this season, but he's never going to get any credit for it because he's Tony Romo. We just discount that because he's Romo. You don't think of him that way. And if he wins this game, if he beats Green Bay in, you know, in, in a game where it's going to be six degrees on the road, you're going to have to start giving him credit. You're going to have to at least admit that, you know, he 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 is that guy. And, and I think he has the talent to be that guy. He doesn't have the results, obviously, but I think, you know me, I, I think that the results are going to come if you give him a big enough sample. You love either-or scenarios. I do. And the Rodgers either-or scenario coming out of this game is pretty interesting because except for the Super Bowl season, somebody had this. I put this email in my in my picks part of the mailbag this week. Mm-hmm. Except for his Super Bowl season, Aaron Rodgers has only won one other playoff game, and that was the game when he beat Joe Webb. <laughs> so if he loses this game... I think he would then be one in three at Lambeau career in the playoffs. And people then now all this whole well, Aaron Rodgers, is he even that good? Now that all starts up. Mm-hmm. Then if he wins the game and goes in this seat, now it's like Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback of all time. Football is the, is out of all the sports, I think has the most extremes just because there's not a lot of games. Of course you have to base it on, on a small sample and you have to base it on, you know, the fact that you drop a, a snap, earlier in your career. I mean, when I, I went back and I did a big article on a, on it factor before the season, yep. I know you're an it factor guy. I'm not, I love it factor, guy. but I wrote about it. And, and it was funny because that first year and a half, Tony Roman was in the league. People could not stop writing it factor articles about him. Yeah. Uh, uh, up to that Seahawks game where he dropped that snap, at which point they stopped. And no one's written an it factor article about Tony Romo in six years. And yeah. it's just interesting because you base it on that. You base it on, on what you see now. And, and that's only 16, 20, you know, 20 regular season games. That could be uh, a half dozen playoff games. It's like basing your opinion of LeBron James based on one NBA series, which is crazy. But that's that's what we have to do in football, for better or worse. Well, the funny thing is he wasn't good last weekend. He Romo? No, not really. I mean, his, his two big plays were all run after the catch plays. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until that last drive that he really started playing well. But, like... In the previous drive, he took two horrific sacks that yeah. almost that should have knocked them out of field goal range. But I think the guy ended up making like a fifty-three yarder. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, had both those sacks. If he if that guy had missed that field goal, and then Detroit just ran out the clock, we would have been like, "Romo, what an idiot! Yeah. Took those two sacks. He sucks." But I'll tell you, the flip side of that is if Romo has Joe Flacco's playoff record, we say, "Okay, you know what." When Tony Romo needed to come through, he came yeah. through. He had 10 points in the fourth quarter, had that game-winning drive. Fourth and six, no problem. Just cool under pressure, Tony Romo. But it's tough. I mean, I, I feel like 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 you can spin that both ways a lot of the time. And with Romo, yep. the record's been so bad that it's so easy to kind of disparage him and, and kind of detract from him. With, with Flacco, like you wrote today, I mean, Flacco's been so good in the playoffs that it's easy to kind of look on the bright side and say, okay, we're I'm kind of scared of this guy, which... You know, during the regular season, I'm not scared of Joe Flacco. But I, if I, you know, if it was Ravens Giants, I'd be scared of Joe Flacco right now too. And you root for uh, the, the NFC version of that guy, Eli, <laughs> who's who's uh, just up and down for his entire career, unless it's the playoffs, and then suddenly he's zinging forty yarders. Oh man, I want to see Eli. Stuff. Can you imagine Eli Manning and Odell Beckham in the playoffs together? It's going to be so great in 2015. You know, you're getting Sue right. <laughs> That's going to be great. 
They're going to spend twenty five million dollars. You know that's a year happening, right? That's, ha- that's in the works. That's happening. I'm, I'm very excited. excited. It'll be great. It'll be a great giant. But the Giants fans will blindly defend them. It'll be awesome. Uh, <laughs> so I think you think Ravens have the best chance. I think Ravens and Cowboys both have a great chance. And mm-hmm. I don't see Carolina putting up more than six points in that Seattle game, especially what are they going to do when they fall from fall 10 points back? Right. It's just like they're doomed Good if luck. they ever get down by a touchdown. Oh, really? All we have to do is, is defend Greg Olson and make sure Kelvin <laughs> Benjamin doesn't get too open. Good luck with that. Uh, and then the uh, Denver Indy game, you know, I wouldn't rule out the luck, the awesome luck. I, comp- I said in the column today, it's the Lux version of the LeBron 48-point game against the Cavs. Can't mm-hmm. be ruled out. I mean, against the Pistons. Uh, can't be ruled out because he, he's certainly going to be the defining quarterback of this generation, I think. And at some point, he's going to have a moment in the playoffs. Elway. Whoa, I mean, he had that 86? Chiefs game. It was pretty good. Which one? He had the Chiefs game last year. That wasn't too bad in terms of like, you know, I don't think that, that's pretty that's good. Like, but he, he threw some terrible picks in that game, too. I mean, that oh, he, was he, like he a, was awful for the first half, but then yeah. he was incredible during the second half. I mean, yeah, it, it's not out of the question. You think about Joe Flacco. When he kind of took that leap where he said, oh, I'm kind of worried about Joe Flacco in the playoffs. It was against the Broncos in this exact situation. They were underdogs. Yeah. And even before the Hail Mary, I thought he had a pretty good game in that game. He was not the reason the Ravens were going to lose that game until the Hail Mary. But this could kind of be that same stepping stone for luck. If you beat Peyton Manning, you know, in Denver at home uh, with, with, to be fair, a pretty mediocre football team besides you. Yeah. You're, you're not coming back from that. You're not going to doubt Andrew Luck after that for a while. And I think that. You know, it's not out of the question by any means. I, I just would, I have a little more faith in the Baltimore pass rush because there's so many of them as opposed to, um, and, and they're playing a weakness for the Patriots in that offensive line as opposed to what the Colts have where it's Andrew Luck versus a very good Broncos defense. Bill Barnwell, you can check him out on Grantland. He's been writing uh, extensively during the playoffs and you can also listen to his Grantland NFL podcast with Robert Mace on, uh, on the Grantland Network. Thanks as always. Talk to you soon. Thanks, buddy. All right, as promised, my buddy J Bug, he is in Boston. Um, he has been going to Pat's games since we had a really crappy stadium and Bill Parcells was the coach. He has been to a lot of cold weather football games in his life, including the Tennessee game, which was epically cold and which I actually included an excerpt of the email he sent me 11 years ago after the Tennessee game um, that's in today's column that hasn't gone up yet. The J Bug, how are you? Yeah, cold. It was cold. I'm good. Explain good. to explain to America what the crowd is like during a game that is really freaking cold because I feel like this is the number one thing that people don't factor into both gambling and what they expect from a playoff game. I don't know, it's different. That game was that game was different because it was so cold. It was the coldest it's ever been. And I don't think it's ever been any colder. So that was almost like subdued but excited and you were just you were too cold to do anything though i think tomorrow is going to be different I don't, tomorrow's not going to be that cold we'll be in the 20s we'll be in the teens we'll be in the oh teens it's going to be in the teens time. yeah i thought yeah. my dad said it was going to be colder than that no it's going to be in the teens well the, the tennessee game was minus 12 with the wind chill it was like four degrees at kickoff it was right. freezing it was it was the beer, you drank you couldn't drink bottled beer it was, you couldn't drink beer it was it was unbelievable the bears were freezing when you opened them. Right. Tomorrow's going to be kind of, you know, I talked to Grover and Nico. I'm like, hey, we bring in the tent? I'm like, why? It's going to be sunny. 
<laughs> so I think that uh, tomorrow won't be as bad. It's going to be cold, especially when it starts to get dark, because I guess that's when it's going into the teens. Uh, it's going to be 20 in the parking lot when we tailgate. And then at right around 4 o'clock, that's when it's supposed to dip down into 19 to 18 degrees. Oh, well, that's that's cold, though. It's going to be dark and cold. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Hey, listen. Hey, it's going to be dark and cold. But, again, we're playing Baltimore. Who cares? Like, they they're just as psyched as we are. Like, hey, cold. Great. We're fine with it. Yeah, but Baltimore you know, doesn't have a 37-year-old QB. Well, and they, yeah, and they don't have a 37-year-old QB. They've got, like, a mummy. Like, a, like uh, I don't know. He's got ice in his veins. He's good. I don't like that. I'm not a fan. Yeah, you were you got mad at me when I discounted the Ravens a week ago, and I, yeah. I've, I've yeah. apologized to all my Patriot fan friends um, for just assuming that what I watched the whole season um, actually meant something. Um, I watched a Ravens team that hadn't been good since week two, and just assumed they were done and forgot they were the Ravens, and then they killed Pittsburgh and looked like the Ravens again. So that I really learned a lesson. That really was a bummer. That was a big bummer. Them beating Pittsburgh. That 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 hurt. That was not good. You had a pit in your stomach. Well, I'm uh, I'm optimistic. It's a different team. You know, it's definitely a different team. But um, uh, I'd say we're all a little bit queasy. I know Grove is a little queasy. Nico, not so much. Nico's calling us. Can I, I don't know if I can say it. He's calling us pussies. You guys are pussies. Come on. But I'm a little bit. You know, I'm a little bit nervous. Not nervous like I'm going to lose my job and not be able to pay my mortgage nervous. More right. like, hey, we're playing a good team nervous. Yeah. I don't I like wish, Baltimore. I wish we blocked better. You know, we – so the, it's the divisional round, right? So in the, I think Brady – I know Brady's got – Brady's like 8-2 in these games. And the, yep. two, and the two losses are against just badass – Freaking crazy defenses that that get off the get off the quarterback and the Jets. We obviously will never forget that. And then yeah. Baltimore, and that was the Baltimore team that had like Lewis and Reed, but they had Suggs and they had Nagata, and I think I think he was a Pro Bowl that year too. I mean, they're just those are the types of teams that do the ball control thing and then get after the quarterback and kind of disrupt things in the backfield, and it becomes one of those oh. Sh- this is going to be a 21-20 game or 17-13 game, which yeah. in the past didn't play well for us. But I think this year it's a little bit different. You know, I'm a little bit if, – if the Pats score 21 points, which I think they're going to score more, but if they do, we'll, we'll be in the game. It's not going to be like, oh, crap, we're not going to win if we can only score 21 points. So. Well, we know the recipe to beating our beloved Patriots. Oh, yeah. We, we've seen yeah. it multiple times. Good hey, you know who rush. else knows that? Yeah. Baltimore. Yeah. Um, you know what's weird? We're not going to really know how scared we should be about the game until that play somewhere in the first quarter or the early second quarter when Brady takes a shot deep, but it's with somebody that you don't necessarily want him to take a shot deep with. It's like Brian Timms or Reggie yeah. Slater. Yeah. And, yeah. But but who, somehow that guy's wide open, but then either Brady misses him or he trips over a Ravens foot or something. And we or miss the air this. knocks down and it's five yards shorter than it should have been. Yeah, and, and, and we missed our kind of shot to go deep. That was just sitting there for a quarter and a half, and then everyone kind of looks at each other and goes, oh, boy. See, I'm, more, I'm thinking more just the very first set of downs. If it's going to be run two yards, run one yard, and 
uh, a dink and dunk, and it's a picked up three yards, and we have to punt, and there's you know 40 seconds that were taken off the clock, you know, or, or a minute and a half, and then all yeah. of a sudden we're punting, and we're on our you know 28 yard line. That's gonna suck. That's gonna really suck. The other thing that scares me, Gronk is is our CO2 canister from Fast and the Furious. That he's our Nas switch. Just click the switch and you you unleash Gronk, and that's the that's the way our car really goes fast. And the Ravens know this, and the Ravens have shown a penchant over the last few years of saying, you know what, it's okay if you get a flag, it's okay if you have an unnecessary roughness, it's okay if you cheap shot somebody. It's only a fifteen yard penalty. Just do it anyway. I think they're going to try to punish Gronk. Oh yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah. Let's, let's hope he doesn't get injured. But oh yeah, obviously. I mean, I, I, how else would you play it? I can't remember, not since Pedro in 99 and 2000, when every Pedro pitch, you were nervous, was going to be the pitch where his arm came off his body. Um, Every time they throw to Gronk, I'm I'm just nervous. I just want him to get tackled and get up. That's all I think about. Just just don't hit him in the knees. Don't try to do something funky. Don't try to carry the four guys. Just go down and get up. I think that's pretty much what the entire stadium is like every time he catches the ball, especially when he's, you know, coming over the middle. Right. That's yeah, that's exactly how you feel with Gronk. And man, I'll tell you right now, it's it's one of those things that he's such a difference maker. You know, he, he, you you think if okay, if, if Gronk hello LaFell's got a little bit of an injury, I don't know how serious that is, but if Gronk's gonna make it through the whole game, knock on wood, that means Edelman or or LaFell is or Vereen out of the backfield is going to have a big game. Right. So if you got to take Gronk out, you know Brady will know how to exploit that. That's it. I mean, they're gonna. They're definitely the game plan should be stopping Gronk and then having one of those other guys make a play, and you just got to hope that one of the other guys you know, makes plays all day. So. What uh, what Brady are you expecting? Are you expecting frustrated? not really liking how the game is going, Tom Brady? Are you expecting, like, weirdly quiet Tom Brady? Or are you expecting fist pump, I'm thinking um, pump. fired up, yelling at teammates Tom Brady? If he's that Tom Brady, that means we're winning. Isn't that weird? Don't you know we're winning when we see that Tom Brady? Yeah. It's just, you lock it down. Yeah. Yeah. It is true. Uh, it's, I've, uh, should, you know, can't on it just on always the be that Tom Brady? When you're at the game, you don't see it as much, right? When I watch the games at home, you, yeah. you, you see it a lot more when you're in the stadium. You don't you don't get to see that as much. It, it, the only time you see it is if there's a big play and then they zoom to him and he's you know running down the field and headbutting people or doing what Tom Brady does. Yeah, but you know it's uh, it's one of those things where uh, again, if you you might even be playing into their hands, Baltimore's hands, if you're going to get emotional too, right? You get too emotional. Look at Flacco again. Going back to Flacco, the dude just flatlines, right? Doesn't doesn't get too emotional. Flacco too scares you. Yeah, 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 he does. Yeah. You, you know who else does? You know who I love? Like, again, well, you know, being a New Englander, I'm a, the homer of all homers, but I really like, I like both those guys. I like Roethlisberger and Flacco. Like, I just think they're both really good quarterbacks and they're both underrated. Roethlisberger is underrated, even though how two Super Bowls and he's great, but I just feel like people don't give him enough respect. I think he's a good quarterback. He just has no offensive line. He gets freaking killed. All the time. Uh, and Flacco's, Flacco's, Flacco's scary, dude. Like, a, like scary. scary. Flacco's one of those silent guys that 
sits down at the table with you and you just instinctively grab the beer bottle. <laughs> Even though he's not doing anything, he's just looking at you, but you're like, you know what? I'm afraid of this guy and I'm going to grab my beer bottle just in case. No, I think he's more like the guy I, – I sent you an email. I think he's more like the guy at work that wears the pocket protector and then you have the Christmas holiday party. And he just wipes the floor up with everyone in billiards, and then we do bowling, and he just, you know, kills everyone in bowling. And they're like, hey, let's do some darts, and he's freaking wiping everyone up in darts. He's just one of those dudes that, you know, you look at him in, in, in his daily work life, and you're like, huh, not much there. And then yeah. you get him on the field, and you're like, what the hell just happened? Like, how did he, how did he you know, standing stiff as a board, it almost looks like he's stiff as a board, and he just like, Boop, and boom, it's a perfect spiral right on the money. Uh, yeah, the guy scares me a little bit. He's just a he's a weird dude. Uh, and again, if I'm down in Baltimore and I followed him all the time, I might know his personality, but I just know him from like seeing him on the TV and and not doing you know I don't hear the radio interviews or what his personality's like. But he just looks like a drone, to, like a just a dead kind of doll-eyed dude to me when I see him. Like that guy's an assassin. <laughs> For me, again, up here, I don't you know. It's the same with Rogers too. When the Pats played Green Bay, I was like. Holy crap! We don't see enough of this guy. He's unfrickin' believable. He's great. He's unbelievable. I think Flacco's the same way. That guy scares me. That worries me a little. That Brady did not outplay Rodgers in that game, and uh, I'm 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 nervous about this game. I'm glad we're talking this out. I want to be properly nervous heading into this game. I'm really nervous. I'm really nervous. But I think again, I'm. Yeah, I'm a little bit nervous with the offense, but I'm equally as confident in the defense that we have this year. Okay. I, I think I think our defense is solid. Yeah, you know what? Mayo might be uh, what Bledsoe was to Brady with, with Collins slash Hightower. Both those guys have just had an unbelievable year. So I, I think our defense, are, you know, the secondary and our linebackers are stout. Like, I'm, I feel good about it. I feel good about it being a low-scoring game and us being able to win a low-scoring game where I never would have thought that in the past. You're playing how, scared, ball. how scared are you of the 35-yard Brandon Banner pass interference penalty? <laughs> well, he's been doing them all year, right? So, Yeah, I'm just penciling that in. I know the Ravens are going to get a touchdown off of Brandon Browner pass interference, and they might even get a field goal off his unnecessary roughness hit where he hit somebody, where he hit Steve Smith out of bounds. Um. He might he might be worth ten points to the Ravens in this game. Yeah, I'm, early, I'm resigned to it. In the early going, I thought you know when I when he in his first couple of games, I thought, oh my god, this is like this guy is Brian Cox, right? Right, I, I remember, remember you Cox said that. And, and, yeah. But the difference is Brian Cox, he, he didn't he, he wasn't penalized all that much. Maybe early on his curve when he played for the Pats, he didn't take a lot of penalties. Yeah, he played to the whistle and he hit hard. But Browner is uh, he takes a lot of penalties. But maybe you know to your point, you said you made the. You made a good point for it for Baltimore. Like, hey, why don't we rough up Gronk and, you know, you know, hit him a little bit. Maybe Browner does the same thing. Maybe it's, maybe he's our uh, guy on defense that, you know, has the big hit and gets the 15-yarder. But, oh, well, you know, not that bummed about it. We What's will be that? when it happens. But at the end of the game, if, it's, you know, we win, it's like, wow, Browner plays physical. He gets the penalties every now and again. But, man, he just clobbered people out there. What's on the What's on the barbecue agenda for Saturday? Oh man, we've got our tailgate is so awesome. We got uh, if anyone's in the Rodman lot, come come visit visit us. We're in Rodman every week. Um, we've got an awesome tailgate. My brother uh, tailgates with us, and he he always brings his clients. So he does like 
He does lobster and like that. Lobster? Lobster, like shrimp tail, like all, you know, he'll do, uh, he does the lamb pops. He does like, you know, he has his own company, so he's, he's entertaining customers, but yeah. he likes taking with, with the down and dirty boys with me, Grover, Nico, and Jen, and Erickson, and Chris, and all those guys. He likes them being there, so yeah. he comes to our tailgate. So now we have like four or five cars across. We've got the high end area over there to the right where he has like nice tequila and all, everything you can imagine. And then we've got our crew, you know, swelling the swelling the brews, and and uh, Nico always does an unbelievable job on the grill, and he's going to be doing, I believe, kielbasa. Um, we always bring fry, we always do bring the fryer later. So this, but this week he uh, sent out the menu, and I'm drawing a blank right now, but it's like going to be like. Wait, can you explain? Can you explain in America how the Patriots cut down the amount of time you can tailgate before games? Yeah, you know what? We've we've been parking at uh, Rodman, but they they're pretty strict with the state police uh, mm. on the four hours for the um, you can't go in four hours before on the tailgate. Yeah, but we we leave a little bit early. We park at um, we park at the uh, Rodman lot, so we get in a little bit earlier. So we should be in around eleven fifteen. No bug. It, it could be time for Celtics season tickets. Hey, let's not talk about that right now. No, this it could be time. I, uh, it, they, they're going to keep cutting the tailgate time. At some point, it's going to just you're just going to be driving to eat a hot dog and go to the game. Like you, hey, you they, know how well, we've ruined the experience. The, we it is the only reason why I, I I will I will speak for myself, and I just have to assume that Nico and Grover feel the same way. It is the only reason why we still go to the Pats game is the tailgate. We're both right. in our, all of us are in our forties. We've got kids and it's a long day. It's, you know, you're out early in the morning, out there early in the morning and you get home late at night. And if we didn't do the past games, we'd see each other probably once a year. And yeah. this is a way for us to get together. And we, there have been games this year where we were like, screw it. We'll watch the game on TV. And we stayed out in the lot and we didn't even use our tickets. Swear to God. Wow. Swear to God. It sounds like me in college at the Holy Cross get, tailgates. We were going to the booed. stadium. We might get booed for that, but that did happen. It was a it was a late I'll give you a hint. It was a very late season game that wasn't very important. But yeah. we we overindulged maybe a little bit. And uh we we're like, screw it, let's just stay here. So for us it's all about the tailgate. That's but here's it. the bottom line. Tailgating is awesome. Like, but you would never say to your friends, like on a, on a random Sunday in March, let's go to a parking lot and grill some stuff and just hang out because it'd be weird. You need some sort of excuse. That's but it. The reality is tailgating is awesome. Who? I have a great time at every tailgate I go to. I love tailgates. It's you. You just hit the nail on the head. That's what we're saying. Like we wouldn't. We we've said, hey, if we ever give, if we give up our ticket, we should just go to someone's house, tailgate, and then go in and watch the game. We're like. Yeah, in the first game, it'll be like, we'll be there at 8.30 and we'll be doing it. And then the second game, we'll be there at like 10.30. And then it'll just turn into, hey, see what five of one if we even go to each other's house and watch. So that is the fear. That is the, the big fear with us is that we will we'll give that up because it is about the tailgate. And that's it. I mean, the tailgating is, for us, that's it. We well, have, that's why... we've, been doing it, we've been doing it since, you know, 93 before that even, because we were just buying tickets and going to pad, but we've had our season tickets since then. And before that, we'd go to the games. We, we, we've been doing it for a long time and we're like a well-oiled machine, man. Yeah. It's, it's all about it. the tailgate. It, it is it's all about the tailgate. 
So we expect to have a good tailgate. That's well. why I'm rooting for. That's why I'm rooting for LA football because I love the thought of just going to an NFL game at like uh, eight o'clock or whatever and just tailgating before the game. See, my and, theory was a little bit uh, killed on that with the LA football because I was a big believer that in 2015 or 16, Brady would be playing for the LA franchise, but they sold their house out in LA. And I was like, why is he building that huge? I'm like, I'm telling you, they get the football team out there and Brady's going to play there. But now he's in Brookline, but now he's in Brookline and I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. I know that, uh, you've had, you know, thoughts that maybe not, but I'm a little little concerned. I, I wish he had a contract that, that, uh, made it a lot harder for the team to cut ties with him. The way the way they arranged it now, it's it's relatively easy for them to get rid of them after March. I know. I just still can't. I just still can't see that ever happen. You have to admit, though, deep down, you have to admit it would be Belichick's. It would be the all-time Belichick move to want to want to win one without him. Just from everything we've seen from Belichick since two thousand, mm. the coup de grace for him. Man, would be was... shanking Brady 13 years after, 14 years after he shanked Bledsoe for Brady. It would yeah. be the ultimate full circle move. I hope it I doesn't know, happen. I don't know if he was ever a Bledsoe guy, though. That's the thing. Oh, remember? I, do you remember the five years? So many players. So many players. What's that? Remember the five-year span as we slowly realized that Bledsoe wasn't a franchise QB? It literally was five years. It was like being in a relationship with somebody that you thought you were in love with and all your friends knew that you weren't in love with her, but it took you five full years to realize it. That was us and Drew Bledsoe. Yeah. I thought that's what it was going to be like for Baltimore Ravens fans with Flacco too, but apparently that wasn't the case. I, he reminded me a lot of Bledsoe, tall, lanky, stiff as a board. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Bledsoe. And I loved him. I still do. I think he's a great, you know, I don't know him personally, but he seems like a great dude. He has a little wine thing going out there. He's kind of chill. He's going to be making a billion dollars selling it into Massachusetts soon. He's a good, he was a good patriot. Yeah. He was a good transition patriot between one era and the era that mattered. Well, think about this is why – think about how excited we were in New England. This, this is why I love – I think teams like Detroit before this year, right, when they made the playoffs. But I always feel like a team like Detroit, I'm so jealous of them because mm. their fan base can dream. Right, they have that. There was—I don't think there was a more exciting season season for the Pats. Is that last season where we beat Miami in the final game, knocked them out of the playoffs? We finished five and eleven. I don't think I was ever excited <laughs> to be a Patriots fan as that season. It was awesome because we were—you know—you were on the rise. You hadn't won a bunch of—you haven't won ten games every year for the past fourteen years. We're spoiled. We're fat, sloppy, and spoiled. Yeah. Back then, it was like—and again, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm older now. Maybe I was in—I was younger, so I was more energy and all that stuff too but man i'd love to be a detroit lions fan right now because all you're thinking about is next year like next year we're gonna we're going deeper we're going deeper next year yeah that was a great run bledsoe won the last four yeah then we had the next year we made the playoffs we lost the browns playoff game but it kind of set up and eventually we had the super bowl season and i watched that game at your brother's house yeah with you And they kicked off to Desmond Howard, and it was in the air, and all of us were looking at each other like, wait a second. Yeah. That looks like that's going toward Desmond Howard. This seems like a bad idea. Yeah, that was awful. That was awful. That was awful. And then I feel like Parcells might have thrown that game. Would you throw a game or win a 
What would you rather do? No, I know he didn't, but I, I, for the life of me, I'll never, I'll, I'll go to my grave wondering why we kicked the ball right to Desmond Howard. That, that would we be had the all the momentum. Time. Remember, they showed Reggie White. The Packer fans are in denial about this. They showed Reggie White in the sidelines. We had that drive right before the kickoff, and Reggie White was heaving for air on the sidelines. That guy was cooked. Yeah, we had the momentum. That anyway. would have changed, maybe changed Bledsoe's career too. Oh, hey, of- can you? Can you quickly explain to uh, America why an Olympics in Boston maybe isn't the greatest idea? Oh, yeah. Well, it's uh, a very – I think it would take you like four hours to get anywhere. Easily. Like we're, yeah. we're no good. You know, what do we, the tea is horrible. I love – I mean, horrible for something like this. I understand they're going to build, you know, ways around it. But it's just – and also just politically speaking, we're kind of like – we're a little bit sketchy here. Like, don't you think money's going to be going somewhere else that should be going somewhere where it shouldn't be going? I, I don't know. I, I yes. just think Boston's just not the right city. We're not – structurally, we're not ready for it. Now, would that mean that maybe we get a stadium in Somerville or Southie for the revolution to come down and have a soccer team in the city? That would be kind of cool. That would be neat. Uh, but I just don't think it's – I don't think Boston is a, the best city for us to have an Olympic. What about the mentality of Boston people as a million outside people descend on the city for? We'll be for out of here. I mean, there are people that can't get out of here, but yeah, right. no, we're we're not. We're very frigid. Like we're like the weather here. You know, you know, Dari, she's from Mexico. Yeah. Man, keep your distance, kind of. You know, like down yeah. there, like you hug with someone when you see them. You talk to strangers, you know, or down south or California, I imagine, too. Like, if someone's talking to you in Boston, that's a stranger. Like, this guy's going to rob me. Or, what does this guy want? Why is he talking to me? Why is this person smiling at me and waving and saying hello? Uh, I think I think it's just uh, not very nice. But, I mean, it's, if you're from here and you know, and you, you know you, you're very tight and close and you'll help anyone out and you give someone the shirt off your back. But, yeah, I think for outsiders, it's a very challenging place come to it's an us against them mentality a little bit that's that's boston in a nutshell little boston people like other boston people yeah we're a little bit i think like new yorkers are like the nicest people i go to new york like man everyone's so freaking nice here well half the half the new york people aren't from new york yeah they have a bad rap man they go to new york they're they're nice they come to boston like yeah it's not a beautiful city in the summertime it's going to be absolutely beautiful and I don't know all the infrastructure plans. I don't know exactly what their plans are, but I don't want any part of it. And I don't even work in the city. Imagine people that work in the city that have to deal with that. And it's not just during the Olympics. It's leading up to it. It's for years leading up to it. Like the right. Big Dig was a nightmare. And it was awful. It, I was there for awful. the entire Big Dig. The war, I worked in Boston. That was the worst. The worst. And this will be similar, man. It's going to be tough to have an Olympics. I yeah, don't. but the good news—the good news—is you'll come out of it with a stadium for the revolution. <laughs> I went to one of their games this year. I'm not going to lie; I went down there for their their final championship game. There was a freaking lot of people there, and I thought, man, if they had this thing in Boston, like Somerville, or you know, somewhere closer to town, they they'd sell out, man. They definitely sell out. The stadium's huge; it looked ridiculous. Like I was like, this this is a seventy thousand seat stadium, and there's thirty thousand people. It looks empty. And there's a poop load of people for a soccer game. Well, that, that's what the, all the MLS teams are realizing, that they should have 
stadiums between 25,000 and 30,000. And you cram them, you have a supply and demand thing, and and it's just – it's a better atmosphere. It feels packed. That's what you want. You don't want everything a 70,000 state stadium. Everything about it would be better. And I think that, you know, if you have it close to a T-stop, like if you had it in Somerville or if you had it in – you know, if you put it somewhere, you know, in Southie or someplace like that, it would make it more accessible for people to get to. I don't know. I, I, think, I think it would be kind of cool to go to some soccer games. You're in and out, like, you know, it doesn't take long. It's kind of like going back to your basketball thing. I'm 42 years old, dude. I'm recovering two days later after going to a tailgate for, you know, 12 hours. It's two days later you're recovering. You go to a Celtics game, literally. It's a noon game, you know, on the weekend, those Sunday games they sometimes have earlier, or a 1 o'clock game. You leave your house at 12, you're there, you're home by 4.15 eating dinner, 4, 4.30. And that's like train to stadium, to, to the fleet, to the garden, and then back. I don't know. That's, that might be where I'm going in the future. That might be the new, the new ticket for me. I still call it the fleet, too. I know. I, know. I, I can't help it. It's just I can't, the, you, I can't call it the garden. It's not the garden. They tore down the garden. I don't, um, even, call, I don't even call it Gillette Gillette. You know, I call it Foxborough. You know that <laughs> there's... going there forever, and I call it Foxborough Stadium. There's one scenario where your buddy Bill Simmons moves back to Boston. Do you know what it is? Um, global warming? No. Well, global warming is a good one. I didn't think of that. Yeah, that, so maybe there's two scenarios. Um, you realize that everyone out in California is soft, and you're like, I oh, want come my on. kids to grow up around well, like, don't take you know, shots real in California. People? Come on. Well, that's, that's not a bad reason. Um, so the number one high school player right now in basketball, yeah. his name is Ben Simmons. Really? My son's name is Ben Simmons. I know that. The, he is going to be the number one pick of the 2016 NBA draft, a draft that the Celtics will have their own pick and Brooklyn's pick, uh-huh. and probably about 19 other picks. If uh-huh. the Celtics draft Ben Simmons. You'll move back. I have to move back. Come on. I feel like that's a sign from God. What are the odds that I name my son Ben Simmons? I just randomly name him Ben Simmons and then – He's born in 2007, um, a week after the Red Sox won the World Series, by the way. Actually, like five days after the Red Sox won the World Series. And, and, and after he was born, the Celtics won the NBA title. Just throwing that out there. What do you um, think, how do you think Carrie would feel about that? Does she like California? I, if they, the Celtics had Ben Simmons, how do I not move back? That's like a sign from God. Uh, listeners of the, uh, the podcast, you've got it here. Uh, I, I will take bets on that. If the Celtics get Ben Simmons, that bill will not move back to Boston. Forget, forget can about, I, can, I, can I tell you, can I tell your fans what, what, what I call you sometimes when you, can I tell them I call you Malibu Billy sometimes? <laughs> that was just cause I had that jacket on that one time. <laughs> For anyone, I hadn't seen Bill like in a little, you know, it's been a year. I don't know how long it's been. It'll be a little, this been a little like while. This is like in the mid-2000s. This isn't fair. <laughs> and he came back, and he was wearing like this, I don't know, velvet or... or no, uh, it wasn't velvet. It was just a bear. nice, it was a mustard-colored jacket. That was a really nice jacket. It was a Malibu. I looked at it, I said, Malibu Billy, good to have you back. <laughs> it was... It I had was no response. Proof. I had no response at all. Um, <laughs> look... I've been waiting my whole life for the Celtics to have a player named Simmons. But to have somebody named Ben Simmons, 
Yeah. He's, That's he's, just he's too weird. Percent of the battle there. He's 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 an Aussie, but he's uh, he's the next Kevin Garnett apparently. He's really? going to LSU, which which he's from Australia and going to LSU, which doesn't seem shady at all. Uh, and he's going to play a year, and he's going to go into the NBA draft, and the Celtics have a good chance at the number one pick. So we'll see. Oh, we'll man. see. That would be great. I, just I, don't... I, I know I'm going to move back at some point. Maybe when the kids go to school. Maybe they'll come to school back here. Oh, that'd be nice. I I, I've got kids. my sister that I, lives I'd like out to see there. my son get into a college. Well, he'll get it. He'll, be, he'll, 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 he'll get it's, it. My son barely wears clothes. It's like a, he's like it's like a wild animal. It's we almost have to keep him in a cage. A that just means he'll get in and then join a frat. That doesn't. <laughs> well, you have a son. They're like wild animals. They're not. They even are like beings. wild. Animals. They're not. They really they're, are. they're animals. There, there's something different about boys and girls at that age. They're just not very strange, man. Very strange. Like you're taking a dump, and they'll just open the door and walk right into you, and be like, "Hey." <laughs> Hey, Dad, uh, I'm like, can you smell that? Like, what, what are you doing? It's like, oh, yeah. Uh. Hey, anyway, um, and they'll just have a full-on conversation with you, and there's, and they don't even get it. Or if you're no, like, get it. if you're in the kitchen and you're like, hey, uh, can you hand me those uh, that glass right there on the table? And they'll look around everywhere but at the table. They'll look at the ceiling. They'll look at the floor. He's, like, looking at the wall. He's like, what glass, yeah. Daddy? I'm like, the one there on the table. And he won't look at the table. But maybe mine's just special. I don't know. No, every every parent who has a little boy up until they hit about seven is convinced there's something wrong with them. <laughs> and he's got all his little buddies. He's got a lot of little buddies. Yeah, all then you go to a birthday party, you're like, oh, they're all like this. Oh, they great. Were, I didn't realize it. they were all idiots. <laughs> I had a crap load of them over the vacation. I had a bunch of them in my backyard. I'm like, you yeah. know what? I'm going to go old school. going to have it. Just come over the house. Don't call. Just be there. And I'll be out back. And it was like, it was like 25 degrees that day and one guy was like hey i'll be back at like there's that 10 like anytime after 10 like hey i'll be back at like one and i'm like one you're gonna bring your hockey stick you're gonna come to stay at one like i'm having them all day man i had kids in my backyard from 10 in the morning till the last one left at 5 30 literally did not go in the house outside playing hockey playing football playing soccer how many injuries none wow that's pride. that's incredible pride Couple got cold, couple got a little cold, and then one. Like, there were a couple that were on the grass, like playing soccer they, or football. They got knocked over, and they did the whole line the grass thing. I said, I went on over, and I'm like, Hey, are you injured, son? Uh, no. I'm like, Then you need to get off the grass or start playing again. And See, meanwhile, this is why dads little, matter. This is but, pe- the, everyone always thanks mom, and they talk about moms, and it's moms, moms, moms. But dads have certain roles in life, and that's one of them. Get up. That's one of them right there. Yeah. And it's like, get up. You're not hurt. Get up. And the kids these days, like kids. People have these conversations like, what's going on with kids these days? They're horrible. Bullshit. Kids these days are way nicer than we were. Way oh, yeah. nicer. They're like, the kid goes, one of the kids goes up and is like, are you okay? I'm like, he's all right. Keep playing. Don't stop. And the kid looked at me like, oh, my God, this guy's mean. You know, he's legitimately concerned for his friend. And I'm like, he's, you know, he's all right. He just wants to take a little break. That's yeah, all I remember, I remember some of the stuff we did when I was growing up. Massachusetts, like, you know, the, like, tie the long thing, a string across the road to scare the cars. The cars oh, were driving yeah. to the string and jam. Like, it's like, oh, we easily could have beheaded somebody on a, on a, on a motorcycle, but never thought about it. I um, can't even tell you about this because my son someday, if these were in archives. Yeah, you hope he doesn't. He'll, he'll someday listen to this. And I, I could tell you probably much worse things that I did as a kid than 
You probably did. I ever tell you I lived near Brookline Country Club at one point on oh, Hamlet yeah. Street? And I heard. You know what? Did you live in the bad part by the Country Club, or no? There was there was a hole that was right on Hammond Street, and it, the green go- was on Hammond Street. And me and my friend Reese used to sneak under the fence, and wait, and people would hit their approach shots out of the green, and we would run onto the course, grab the balls, and run off. And then they would go, and they would be, they would just be looking at each other in disbelief, not knowing where the ball was. And we would just do that for hours. I would kill you. Do dead. kids even do stuff like that now? They don't. They don't. At least I don't know the guys that my son hangs out with. They're good. All of them to a to a kid. All of them are really good kids. I don't think they. I don't think kids do that. Yeah, I really people don't. People are well mannered. They're nicer now. People don't. They, you know what? They're just mean to each other in the internet. That's why I we think, have the internet now. That's where they get all their meanness out. That's it. In school, they're not. They're like legitimately nice to each other. They play well. They come over and like involve my daughter, yeah. and I'm just like, oh man, ten years gonna be. Hey, Millie, how you doing? I don't know. They're just different kids. Like kids are different. I just think they're nicer. They really are. I but, agree with you. Yeah, we, I'm happy we, to have two nice kids. We have to we go. Support. All right. Hey, man. Uh, hey, you know, are you going to make it out to a game at all, a pass game ever again, you think? I, I'm going to – I will be going to Super Bowl 49 if the Patriots make it. Well, I'm talking. You're going to see whoever at another tailgate. I promise the big guy doesn't oh, come. that's happening next year. I'm, that, I want to do a regular season, though. I can't tailgate when, when we have this much at stake and have a okay. good time. All right. But – if this is if this is it for the Brady Belichick era, I just want to say it's been a great ride. It's been an unbelievable ride. Unbelievable. It, I disagree with you though. I don't think it's over at all. I think it's oh, I don't think it's over either. But it's a three percent chance that this could be the last Brady Belichick home game, or two percent, or one percent. Who the hell knows? You okay. never know. Belichick's been coaching forever. Brady's been playing forever. You just never know. I remember being in Miami when uh, when LeBron played the last game of the finals in Miami, which is Game Four in June. And all the fans left early, and we came on after that game, and I said on TV, I, I really hope those fans realize that there's a very small chance that that was LeBron's last game here, and he might be leaving, and they're going to feel bad that they left with eight minutes to go instead of cheering him when he left. No way with Brady. I, you oh. just, I, my point is you never know in sports. You, you never, never know. know. I guess should, you never know. My it, point is we should savor all of these Brady Belichick playoff home games because we've had uh, a bunch of them and they've been freaking awesome. And I love the fact that we have another one coming. I will savor it, but I will say this. I think if they do that to Brady, that will suck because I think we have a very young and very good defense. I that agree. going to be better and better over the next three years. I think we have another. I don't want to say anything. I'm not going to. No, I'm not going to. Don't say anything. Right, don't take, take it back. Second back. Bye, bye. Bye. Back. bye. All right. See you, buddy. That's it for the BS Report. Uh, check out grantland.com. Two columns up today, one about Joe Flacco, one a, a Picks mailbag column. And uh, enjoy football this weekend. Go Pats. Talk to you later. Thank you for downloading the BS Report with Bill Simmons. Too much fun. Check out more podcasts at the iTunes Music Store or at Pod Center at ESPNRadio.com. Peace out.